Hello, and welcome to Apostolic Voice. I'm your host, Ryan French. My guest today is one of my dearest friends, Reverend Joe Campitella, known as an international revivalist and evangelist. He's a highly sought-after preacher, and he pastors a revival church called Christian Life Center in Palm Coast, Florida. You can look them up at clcflagler.com. He operates in the gifts of the Spirit on a dynamic apostolic level. The Lord connected us many years ago, and he has impacted our church for eternity over and over again, and in the process has become one of my closest friends and confidants. Joe Campitella co-wrote the RyanAFrench.com article called Should Christians Dye Their Hair, which was featured all the way back on episode four of this podcast. And that article stays consistently on the Apostolic Voice blog's top 10 most read articles. Today, we're going to talk about prayer, revival, and spiritual warfare. I know this conversation will challenge me, and I'm confident it will help take your spiritual life and your prayer life to the next level as well. But before we dive into that, I want to share a few quick milestones regarding this program. All of this past year's stats are in, and Apostolic Voice has grown by leaps and bounds in every metric. Astonishingly, our followers are up by 999%. Hours listened to this program are up by 999%. Our Spotify streams are up 999%, and our total listenership is up 999% as well. We have listeners in 33 countries, including a few new countries on that list like Denmark, Sweden, and Ghana. So to all you new listeners out there, I want to officially say thank you for being a part of the Apostolic Voice family. And for those who've been with us for a long time now, I can't tell you how humbled and grateful I am for you. Together, we're learning, growing, encouraging, stretching our faith, renewing our strength, and striving to hold steadfast to the Apostles' doctrine and the Word of God. All right, let's go talk with Joe about prayer, revival, and spiritual warfare. As a pastor and as an evangelist, your focus, at least in in my in my relationship with you, has been much on on prayer, revival, and spiritual warfare, and and taking dominion in the spirit realm. And that's what I'd like for us to talk about today. And I know they're all kind of intertwined. I know it's hard to separate prayer from revival and spiritual warfare, and they're they're all kind of one thing, so to speak. But and you've preached so many powerful messages on prayer. And one of the things that the listeners of this program write in on a regular basis and ask is, how can we improve our prayer lives? How can we take our prayer life to the next level where we go from, you know, just kind of mumbling and, and struggling to, to fill 15 minutes? How can we take that to an apostolic level where there's power, where there's a move of the Spirit, where we 
where we long to pray, where we look forward to prayer. It's not just a forced, um, a forced uh, moment in our day. And I know that you have a lot of thoughts on this. Can you just kind of start with the kind of the prayer life for dummies and then work us up from there a little bit? Well, I appreciate you asking this question, man. And I feel like God is constantly working on me yes. in this area. Me too. You, know, you, I don't, uh, you, never, you never get there. You, you're always progressing forward, hopefully. And, and really, uh, Ryan, just recently, in the past week, God has put into words for me something that has been such a key to my personal prayer life. And I feel for our church and, and the greater church at large. And that is, he spoke to me, he said, stop looking for an exit Mm. and focus on finding an entrance. Mm. And, And it's revolutionized my prayer life, genuinely revolutionized my prayer life. And I taught this last night and, and it's, you know, the whole concept, there's basically three dimensions or three over overall dimensions in the tabernacle. Mm. there's the outer court, there's the holy place, and then there's the most holy place. Yes. Some people call it the holiest of holies. So you've got these three basic realms in the tabernacle. And in those realms, there are kind of subcategories of different things that happen, but those are the three basic areas. And, and unfortunately, because of sin and because of the law, the, in the Old Testament, the view of 99% of the children of Israel was limited and restricted to the outer court. They never got to go inside. Right. And so, and and of course, as you know, God commanded them, you know, pitch your tents with the, the, the doors towards the tabernacle. And so they wake up and they see smoke. They go to bed, they see fire. They can smell the, the the sacrifice it's not an appealing thing it's not a comforting thing it's a it's a bloody thing yeah it's, a, it's obligatory it stinks there, you know there's the smell of burning hair there's the smell of burning flesh and depending on what direction the wind's blowing that day that that smell of death and sacrifice is going to come into that tent you know they don't get to turn their tent towards the palm trees or the river they have to face the, the tabernacle and the only part they get to see of the process is the sacrificial part. And, and unfortunately this, this is the restricted view of so many people in this great church of the living God. All mm. they see is the sacrificial portion of their religion, wow. if you will, of their, of their devotion to God. And they do it because they, they want to go to heaven. They do it because, they know it's the right thing to do. They do it because, you know, they don't want to be questioned about why are you missing church? Why are you missing prayer? They do it for all kinds of reasons. But the whole time they're there, putting that flesh on the altar, whether it's coming to church or going to that prayer meeting or reading that Bible, the whole time they're doing it, they're looking at their watch, you know, waiting for the moment when they can leave that, that hardship. And, and that sacrificial position to go enjoy the rest of their day and enjoy the rest of their week because their view is restricted. And then, of course, you have the Levites that they cast lots and decided who got to go beyond the outer court. 
and go into the holy place. Yeah. And to go into that holy place, it's a totally different world. You you are now you are now in a different dimension. And instead of instead of smelling the stink, you're smelling incense. Yeah. Um, it's it's God's view of what was happening outside. What's in, in that holy place is God's view of what's happening outside. That's how he sees it. It's, we smell it, it stinks. He smells it, it smells sweet. It's that incense. And, and there's angels everywhere. And there's the, the, the atmosphere is different. The feeling's different. You don't want to leave that place. You, you want to stay in there. The, 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 the golden candlesticks, the lights reflecting off of those angelic embroidered creatures on the walls. And it's, it's not something that you're, uh, you're struggling to get out of. It's a beautiful place. That's where you want um, to be. Yeah. That's where you want to be. And, and unfortunately, um, so many people are so focused on the exit after making their sacrifice, they miss going into that dimension. And, and that dimension is actually where you start ministering to God. The Bible says they ministered unto the Lord there. You're not ministering unto the Lord in the outer court. You're just doing your obligation. You're sacrificing. Wow. That's, that's for you. That's not for the Lord. That's for you. That's all for you. That's all. So you can be saved and go to heaven. That's all you crucify in your flesh so you can go to heaven. And most people stop after that breakthrough, after that place where they put themselves on the altar. They stop and they say, okay, I've done my hour today or I've done my 30 minutes or whatever. But, but that's where ministry unto the Lord begins. And, and then, of course, you've got the, the most holy place. And, and I'm not sure what you think about this. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But as far as I can tell, um, there was no way into that most holy place. Right. I was, I was reading um, some historical documents, and, and from the Talmud, they said, and of course, the Talmud is not our authority on everything scriptural, but it does give us some good historical, historical, historical perspective on, uh, on what the Jews taught. But that, that, they said that that cloth was at least four inches thick. Some historians believe it was almost 12 inches Maybe thick. Maybe 12, yeah. And, and it was so heavy. It, it didn't have Velcro. It didn't have a zipper. It didn't have buttons. Uh, there's no way in. And, and the priest, you know, I'm trying to think, okay, how can the priest get in? Can he go around the curtain? But the way the temple was designed, the tabernacle was designed, was those cloths met each other. And the weight of the outer cloth met the weight of that, that inner cloth. You just don't push that thing aside. Yeah. And there's a pillar there. There's a pillar there right on the edge. And, and you know, maybe he could crawl underneath the the um, the curtain. But but then he, you got to remember he's decked out in his high, this is the high priest because only the high priest could go into the most holy place. But he's decked out in his, his priestly uh, garment. It's beautiful. It's washed. It's clean. He's washed. His hands have been washed. And he's it had purified. to be clean when he got in so he couldn't be rolling around be in clean. the dust. Yeah. That's right. And, and that's a good point because the floor was literally desert. You're right. It was dirt. Right. It was dust. So for him to go under... Uh, and get all dirty was unthinkable. And also, he had the vial of blood, and he had the incense. So, he, what's he going to do? Put it on the ground? So, the, the whole point is that this, somehow, this man was taken in to a place that had no physical entrance. There was no visible entrance. And, of course, the message and the lesson is, you know, Paul talked about it in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, or chapter 9, verse 10, I believe, where he said the way was not made manifest in the Old Testament for the high priest to enter into the most holy place. How mm-hmm. did he get in there? Well, God, God took him in there. 
God took him in there, and it, he had to wait around for that moment. Yeah. He had to stand there, and he had to had to entertain the presence of the Lord for that moment. And so this this has really changed my life. And your question was, is how how can we take it from that that obligation stage to where you don't want to leave prayer? Um, stop looking for an exit and start looking for an entrance. Amazing. When, when you're when you're praying, you're 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 waiting for that feeling, if you will, that impression. And we don't walk by faith; we walk by sight. But there sure is a lot of spiritual sensitivity involved in that sight. And and you're waiting for you know today before this call, I was I was seeking the Lord, and, and honestly, it was kind of a I was pushing. I'm 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 fasting. I'm I'm reading the Bible. I'm not backslidden, as far as I can tell. I'm I'm reaching into the things of God, but it was kind of numb. Mm. until I started quoting scripture. Mm. And as soon as I started quoting scripture, the power of God came on me. And I realized, oh, this is my entrance. And and, and I'm not going to move on to the next stage. I'm not going to move on to the next phase of that prayer. I'm going to keep quoting scripture because for some reason, that's what God wanted this morning. And, I, and as I was quoting, revelation started coming on me about the scripture I had never seen in my life until this morning. Wow. And, and we, we kind of, you know, I, and I, I'm sure you, you do a prayer list sometimes. I do a prayer list sometimes. And we can get so locked into our routine. You know, we got the, the, the Lord's Prayer and we do that routine. And I've done it. I've done it for years. You know, you praise, you, you thanks, you repent, you petition, you intercede, you and you, you close with praise and you kind of follow that pattern, but man, and that's good. But somewhere in there, you're, you're feeling it. What if he wants me to stop at Thanksgiving? Maybe this is my entrance. Maybe I need to dance. That's my entrance. And so I, I taught the church, you know, everything we do in this church, the pre-service prayer, the altar call, the music, we're, we're seeking an entrance. We're looking for an entrance. We're not looking at the clock to, to, to know when the exit's going to show up. Where's, where's the entrance? Are we going to enter in, in the music? Are we going to enter in, in the preaching? Are we going to enter in the altar call? So it's kind of helped me a, a great deal to, to stop looking for that exit and start looking for that entrance into, into the holy place where you don't want to leave. That's so powerful. You know, I don't know if this is exactly in the same vein. Maybe you could help me with it. But I had a similar without having all of that perspective the way you just did it so beautifully but I, I the lord's been dealing with me lately in prayer about and and as strange as this sounds it almost sounds like a paradox because we think of prayer and you don't think of silence but we do have biblical teaching on meditation and the lord really started dealing with me a few months ago about at some point i'd got to be quiet and listen for his voice and that and maybe that's the entrance that that i needed in those months where yes, it's sir. like and that doesn't mean that that'll be the entrance tomorrow but for right. a season in my life the entrance for me was to pray and then at some point i just needed to be quiet and just meditate on wow. the Lord. And then wow. when I started doing that, when I start, because it, it's kind of counterintuitive. You think, well, I'm praying. I need to be talking the whole time. And, and the Lord convicted me one day and said, listen, you're, this is a relationship and you're doing all the talking. You need to give me a chance to respond to you wow. and, and speak to you. And I realized he's not going to speak over me while I'm constantly uh, blathering, so to speak. 
And, right. and that was my, that's been my entrance for the last six months or so. It's like, I'll pray and I'll push and I'll push and, and I might not even feel anything. And then I'll, and then it'll hit me. Okay. I, I need to be silent for a little bit here. And as I go into that silence, it's like, boom, that's when the Holy Ghost just sweeps wow. in. And maybe yeah, that I'd never thought of it the way you're describing it, but could that be the entrance for me in these moments that you're describing? It sure sounds like it. And I think, I think that's a great point because, you know, you said it's a season and, and it, it, it wasn't always like this, but right. now it, that's how it is. And it might not always stay like this. You know, the next six months may be something totally different. Right. And that, that to me is such a powerful revelation. And I can, I can look back on seasons in my life, especially when I really started becoming aware of the spirit realm where I could not, I could not find him mm. unless I, I was broken. Mm. And I'm telling you for, for several years, I cried in prayer. I cried and cried and cried to the point where my face is swollen, uh, you know, just good, good crying. And, and I remember people coming up to me, not, not being mean, but just best intentions, people that love me saying, you know, Joey, man, you cry so much when you pray. And they were concerned about me, you know, mm. and, but nothing else was working. And I, I, looking back, I know I realized that was a time of great breaking in my life. I was ripping me down and, and rebuilding me. And now crying is not my entrance mm. wow. this season. Now it's, now I have to be authoritative this particular season. I have to pray with great authority. And, and speak things and, and command things. And I have found when I do that, that that's when the doors open for me. And, and it hasn't always been like that. And it's so, so you, for you to say that this is a season and this is something and, and to be sensitive to that, you know, you kind of have to, you almost have to be adventurous, you know, okay, God, yeah. what, what new different things should I be doing right now? Just be quiet. Okay. I'll, I'll be quiet. Whatever you want. <laughs> I just want to, I want to find you, you know? Yeah. So, that's awesome. Uh, it's a seeking. It really is. You know, the Bible talks about vain repetition, and I worry about this in my prayer life. I've always been kind of extra sensitive to this concern in my mind, and I do know that when I when I talk to people that I love and people in our church that I love very much who love the Lord, sometimes they'll say something to me like, "For the French, I'm." I'm praying, but I feel like I'm just stuck in vain repetition. I'm just saying the same things. Oh, and we've, I think if we're honest, we've all kind of been there at a certain point where it's like, we're just, it's kind of like we have a routine in prayer and we're just saying the same thing and maybe not as repetitious as now I lay me down to sleep, but some of our own version of that. And it seems like what you're talking about is a, is a way to break that cycle where you're, you're seeking and you're looking for an entrance and, and it, it's a change in your mindset where, okay, I, I need to be thinking about what does God want from me at this moment that might even be out of my comfort zone. And that's, that's fascinating think, to me. I think that's absolutely the key that that is absolutely the key. What you just said is what does God want from me right now? Yeah. And even if it's out of my comfort zone, that is the key. And, and that's a, you know, when you talk and everybody deals with that stuck feeling, 
I mean, everybody deals with that. And that is a great indicator that you have reached the end of a season. Yes. You have reached the end of this dimension. You've reached the end of this particular level you've been on. And that stuck feeling is God's way of knocking on your door and saying, Hey, are you, are you ready to go to the next level? And if you respond to that, you know, what, just what he's done to you is a great example. If you respond to that, a whole new door opens, whole new door. That's powerful. Yeah. If you feel stuck, God's calling you to something fresh, something new. That's amazing. Yes, sir. I believe that. Wow. Well, let's transition from, I mean, again, they're, the, they're all intertwined here, but let's, let's move to, to revival for a moment. And first, can, we, can you and I try to hash out a definition for revival? When I say the word revival, what comes to your mind? When I hear the word revival, I feel like primarily it is the spiritual awakening, the spiritual thrust of the saints of God mm, Yes, into the presence of God, into devotion with God, into relationship with God. When I hear the word revival, I think of uh, the people of God locking into Jesus like never before. Uh, praying more, fasting more, seeking after God. Um, and then I also associate a natural harvest with that. Right. Um, I think the words harvest and revival are different, but you, and you can have a harvest without revival. You can have a harvest without revival, but you cannot have revival without a harvest. Yes. And so, um, revival now, I, I get me, exactly what you're saying, but can you explain that for someone who may not follow that, that way of thinking? Yes. Well, th- this is the, this is the dilemma that we face because we have learned how to bring harvesters in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to churches that are not in revival. Yes. And, and I, and I, and I, I have been one of them. You know, I, I'm called into a church, and I go into that church, and that church is not in revival. And I can feel it. I know they, the people are not praising God. They're not thrusting forward in the Spirit. They're not fasting. But, but there's a harvest there. They've been, they've been inviting people to church. And so I come in. My job is to speak the word of faith and to lift, build their faith and, and bring them to that place of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost or getting baptized. And we have become ex- experts at that. And what happens is, is uh, most of those people end up leaving. Most of those people end up moving on to something else. There's no life there um, to keep them. There's no life. And sustain there's, them. The church is not a revival. And then I've been in other situations to where the church had been praying and fasting, and they weren't really necessarily consumed with the focus of reaching the lost. They were just wanting to, to go further, go deeper in God, know God. And the natural byproduct of abiding in the vine is bearing fruit in yes. the branches. Yes. That's the natural. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to, you don't have to, to fight for it. You just get yourself abiding in the vine and the branches are going to bear fruit. I don't, you know, if I kiss my wife, uh, my wife and I have a relationship, kids are going to be born. <laughs> right. and, and so... That's, that's just a natural byproduct of relationship. And, and to me, that's, 
that's revival. And revival should be the primary focus. Revival should be the ultimate focus. Because, because we've inverted harvest, it so often. Yes, sir. Yeah. We have inverted it. That's exactly right. Um, because the truth is, is revival is harder than a harvest. Mm, yeah. It requires self-crucifixion. And and that is that is more difficult, seemingly, than, than uh, just inviting somebody to church and praying through the Holy Ghost. Well, so not to mix metaphors, but Paul mixed metaphors a lot, so I guess we have a license to do it. But it's kind of like having children. When a, when a church goes into harvest, it's like birthing all these babies into a church, and now all of these adults have to work overtime and lose sleep right. and, 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 as you said, sacrifice. And it, it takes a real revival and spiritual maturity within a church to be prepared for a harvest. Yes. Wow. Yes. And, and that's, I believe that. And the truth is, is that when you get a harvest, whether we like it or not, you are bringing a whole new spirit realm into that church. Mm, interesting. You are bringing, and we, and we, you know, they got the Holy Ghost. Great. Those spirits ain't going nowhere. Mm. Those spirits are not going anywhere. Now the sanctification process begins and their character building begins. And if that church is not in revival, the spirit realm of that church is going to be altered by those people rather than those people being altered by the revival spirit of that church. I've seen that over and over again. Wow. Revival, that's fascinating. Re- revival to me has to be the, the ultimate focus. And I'm not saying we don't have, you know, evangelism thrust and, and, and harvest focuses. And when we do that all the time, but um, but relationship with God is where it's at. So you very naturally, and I, I kind of felt like it would happen this way, you very naturally um, transitioned into the spiritual warfare side of things that, that revival does coincide with. And so I wanted to talk about that for a moment. I told my church last night in my failed Bible study on spiritual warfare where I walked away <laughs> literally feeling like an abject failure as a preacher and teacher. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I really I just I thought, oh my goodness, I, I, I'm going to have to talk to Joe tomorrow because I, he's going to have to set me straight because I just – Absolutely yeah. didn't you know hit the ball. What? And we've discussed this before, but this is the truth. And I, my wife and I have talked about this very thing, just like you and your wife did. But but when you preach about prayer or soul winning, I think you probably deal with more um, resistance than any other messages, in my opinion. It's so true. I, I, I've never felt more like a failure than after I preached on prayer and soul winning so many times. So I can relate to what you're saying. Well, I I, I told my church in that failed sermon. And, and I, I, this has been my experience, and, and I'm curious to know if this has been your experience. But whenever I go into a season of revival and I start to notice that our church is going into a season of revival, it always stirs something demonic up. Always. Uh, Sunday, we had a powerful, I mean, an absolutely mind-blowing move of the Spirit in, in the altar, and healings, and 
uh, deliverances. I mean, it was just an incredible Sunday. And it's not just because I'm a glass half empty type person. I knew, and it was true, when I walked out of that altar service, I was going to walk into some kind of, of attack. And it seems like there's always this stirring. Whenever you start pushing in the spirit realm, it, it starts to bring in an opposition. Am I exaggerating that? Is that just my experience, or do you find that to be common? I think it's common, and I think it's a punch-counterpunch. Mm. You know, you're in a fight, and so you're, you punch, you get counterpunched. But I do believe eventually somebody's going to get knocked out. Yeah. And, and so if you, if we stick with it, and I'm not sure this is where you're going with your question, but, but if you, if we stick with it, the devil will lose stamina mm. faster than the church. Yes. Cause right. it is weary. I mean, you carry that, you fight those things it wears you down and you feel the weariness of it. But as weary as you feel fighting, the devil feels more weary mm. Mm. and and he'll give up before you if you stick with it. And the, the Holy Ghost spoke to me, and, I'm, and if I'm going in a different direction, just change change it, Brother Ryan. But but we you know, we did our building program this year. Uh, we bought a building in September, got our permits in January, started in January, and finished it in August. Incredible. And and uh, it was it was wonderful. But man, to to coin an old phrase, all hell broke loose. Yes, all hell broke loose. And it reached a point to where I literally felt like I was in the twilight zone. Mm. I mean, my body, my mind, the things that were happening, it, it just seemed not real. Like, is this actually happening? And, and I'm not going to go into details about, about it. Um, but, but it, it's like the twilight zone. And, and I was, I reached a place of just critical uh, desperation with the Lord praying and seeking God. And, and the one thing that God moved on me, because I have heard of pastors, I heard very, very well-known pastors say this in a microphone, I lost my prayer life during the building program. Mm. Didn't, even, didn't, even, didn't even have time to pray an hour a day during the building program. And man, when I started the building program, I realized why, you know, we're working 12, 15, 17 hours. Grueling. Um, six days a week, sometimes even on Sundays, um, I was working. And so it was, it was grueling. Yes, sir. And so, yeah, but God, God really blessed me and helped me to to get up very early uh, every morning and pray a good a good amount of time to keep that. And it, but it, but even so, when I was doing that, right at, right towards the end, it reached a point of of critical desperation, and I was on my face crying out to God, "What's what's going on? You know, what's what's happening?" And the Holy Ghost, because I I said those words to God, I said, "God." All hell is breaking loose. Ryan, the, the city was mean to us. Mm. Like the, the people were mean. Like we just walking out into Walmart would be a spiritual warfare ordeal. It, it was the twilight zone, man. My people goodness. reacting to us, cursing us out. It was people stopping in the middle of the street. It was nuts. Evil. It was nuts. Evil. It was evil. And so... So I said, Lord, it feels like all hell is breaking loose. And he said, Joey, he said, it's okay. He said, because all hell always breaks loose before heaven breaks loose. Mm. And that is exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened. The devil saw 
what was building in the spirit realm. And he did everything he could to stop it. And now we are on the other side of that particular battle. There's more battles to come, but that particular battle is, is defeated. And we're seeing the, the harvest now and the revival that comes from it. Well, that brings me to a question I wanted to ask you. And you touched on it already, how you'll fight a particular uh, battle in the spirit and eventually you'll gain victory. I believe that with all my heart. What I do find is that often the battle will shift to a, a new battlefield, we might say, or perhaps a new spirit. You even mentioned earlier, uh, as new people come into the church or birthed into the church, it brings new new demonic forces that you're now contending with and, and trying to, to battle through. And I think I want to break this question and this conversation into two parts, because I know we have pastors and ministers listening, and I know there are people who are wanting to think about their church corporately, but I also want to think about this individually, because this happens on an individual level for people too, where they might be battling a spirit in their family or in their uh, in their personal life. Uh, how do you go about identifying? The Bible talks about strong men of a city. I know in Atlanta, uh, one, of the, one of the great demonic forces that we're battling constantly is a spirit of sexual perversion. And I know that's not always the case for every city, but that's a tremendous battle. Spirit of homosexuality. <laughs> in the Atlanta region is uh, unbelievably pervasive. How do you go about identifying what spirit you're facing at, at a particular season? I think that's a great question. And I have been asked that question repeatedly and I'll give you, I'll give you the short answer. And then if, if you will allow me, I want to give you a little bit longer answer. Yes. We want all of it. Okay, the short answer is, typically, if you're walking in the Spirit, the thoughts that you have that are evil, that are sinful, are evidence of the Spirit realm in that area. Mm. So you have, to, you have to be at a place in God where you're confident in your, your connection to Jesus. You know, you're plugged in, you're walking with God. And then you'll start having, you'll start having thoughts and temptations. I mean, there's just no way around it. You're going to have thoughts. Um, that are that are very, very candid, and and if you don't understand what's happening, you will think those thoughts are you. But in fact, those thoughts, you know that that scripture reference that you did uh, was Second Corinthians ten and four. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's Ephesians six. But Paul said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, yes. casting down imagination, mm. casting down imagination. So imaginations are the, the uh, propaganda of the spirit realm. Wow. And you will pick up those imaginations. Your, your spirit's like a radio antenna and you'll pick up those imaginations. And that is a surefire way to uh, identify what spirit is working in that area. That's the short answer. Wow. To me, the, the, the underlying principle, though, Brother Ryan, is I feel like God has 
has done a shift in my heart. And I feel like this is something that he's put on my heart to teach as well. We focus on spiritual warfare like we focused on harvest versus revival. We, we focus on and try to quantify what we can see. We want to harvest because if you get six people filled with the Holy Ghost, then, then you can say six people were filled with the Holy Ghost versus on focusing on a more hard to define spirit of revival. Mm. We focus on warfare because we are very keen to what is resisting. But in my opinion, and this is how I live and this is what I teach. In my opinion, you do not have to focus on the devil very much at all. Mm. If you focus instead on self-crucifixion, the devil will be taken care of. Wow. You focus on crucifying yourself, Jesus will focus on killing the devil. Wow. Because, because you're, I'm not saying you're not going to fight the devil. I'm not saying you're not going to meet the devil face to face. We have met the devil face to face. We have had visions, dreams, very mystical things. And you know, I don't know if you want to get into that stuff, but you and I both have probably had visitations from hell that were absolutely as real as you and I talking. right Sure. And, and that's happened to us. Um, I've, we've dealt with demon possessed people. We've had, uh, in our personal ministry, we've had tornadoes come out of the sky towards us like 11 times. Wow. Um, and that is, that's something that, you know, if it was one or two or three, okay, tornadoes happened, but I know in, in some of the moments that it happened were absolutely profound spiritual moments that they happened. Uh, when we first came to Palm coast, I'll tell this quick story. So, so I can give a little credence to what I'm teaching. But when we first came to Palm coast, I had a, a spirit come to me in a dream. A devil came to me in a dream. And, uh, right when we started pastoring here and, and, uh, tornadoes in this dream, you know, dreams, dreams and visions are the exact same event, but in different states of consciousness, yes. in my opinion. Yes. And so this turned into a vision. It turned because I, I woke in the middle of this dream and it, 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 the dream continued while I was awake. Wow. Turned into a vision. And so, um, this, this tornado came out of the sky and started coming straight towards our RV. We were living in a motorhome at that point. Um, and, and as it came, I lifted my hands and I began to rebuke this tornado that was heading towards my kids and my wife and myself in our, in our motorhome. And as I did this, a white, beautiful dove appeared just peacefully sitting on, uh, on a nightstand in the corner of the room, beautiful white, dove. nothing extravagant, nothing elaborate, just a glowing white dove. I feel the Holy Ghost just washing all over me right oh, now. Oh, like me too. Um, and so, and so, about two weeks later, a tornado um, comes out of the sky in Palm Coast, mm. heading for our motorhome, and it hit it hit a motorhome, but it was not our motorhome. Wow! It dest- it destroyed a motorhome, but it was not our motorhome. And, and, uh, anyway, so, 
you can think about that what you like. I, I kind of know what happened there. You know, I, I was involved in the behind the scenes on that. And, yes. And so, and so the devil's real and I'm, I'm not saying we're not going to have to fight the devil, but the devil wants us to get involved in this, in this, uh, trendy topic of focusing on spiritual warfare. And the, what we should really put our, all of our effort in, is focusing on self-denial and crucifixion. Because here's the here's the deal, Brother Ryan, and I hope I, I hope I'm coming off with the right spirit right now. And, oh, this is and, incredible. And saying this saying this correctly. It doesn't matter what kind of spirit is in your region. It doesn't matter if it's the spirit of Jezebel. It doesn't matter if it's the spirit of, of the Antichrist. It doesn't matter if it's if it's uh, homosexuality. It doesn't matter if it's and, and that you're going to fight that, and you and you'll see that in your church. And when I say it doesn't matter, I think I'm saying that. Hopefully, I'm saying that with a proper perspective. But what I mean is, is if you crucify yourself, what that demon is, what that spirit realm is, it ain't going to be able to withstand the Holy Ghost that's going to pour through you and obliterate it. Yes, and Praise and just God. and and there is so much complexity in. Joe Capitella's stinking flesh. There is so much confusion in Joe Capitella's stinking flesh. And and I have been fighting. And the reason why I'm saying this maybe with such passion is because in the past few weeks, God has been nailing me on this because I have been fighting hell. And and I've been dealing with very particular kinds of devils. And 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 so it's like, man, living, what in the world? What's going on? And, and the Holy Ghost reminded me of this principle. And so Right now, God's got me on a, uh, a three days a week fast regimen, mm. and and I haven't really been calling out any devils. I haven't been really nailing any spirit, but but uh, for some weird reason, they've all just yielded. Wow, <laughs> they've all just they've all just backed down, and so and so I do think it's important to understand spiritual warfare. I do think it's important to to excel in spiritual warfare to understand those things. But man, if I would leave one thought one resounding thought on this podcast, it would be crucify yourself. Start fasting like you never fasted. Start praying like you never prayed. And, and, and surprisingly, all those resisting spirits will just start folding. Well, you just started to just answer, start. I think, the natural question that most people listening are probably going to ask is can you hone in on what crucifying your flesh is? Yes, sir. I think yes, that's what so, people are probably thinking right now at this moment. How how do I crucify my flesh where I can where I can walk in that authority? Okay. So so here's here's the journey that God God took us on. So as an evangelist, we do not have a congregation. Right. All I'm focusing on is is Joe Capitella's relationship with God. That's yes. all I have to focus. I'm not focusing on the people that are fighting. I'm not focusing on any church division stuff. I'm not there. I, I, I don't have to deal with that. All I'm focusing on is my consecration. And I would go to the church and be with the pastor and the pastor would start talking about all the stuff they're fighting and all the people that are resisting. And I'm thinking to myself, man, just, just draw near to God. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, it was, it was, yeah, yeah. It was the classic. I don't know what I'm talking about is what it was. I, I'm not in the situation and I'm, I've got a bird's eye view. I'm flying over. I'm the, I'm the air support flying over. I'm like, man, don't worry. Just, just get your, you know, focus on relationship. And, and these pastors are reeling and rocking. And, and lo and behold, I come here two years into this, 
this pastor in the Palm Coast, and I'm doing the exact same thing. <laughs> yes. The exact same thing. I'm fighting people's human spirits. I'm fighting demons. I'm, I'm just, and I'm, and my, I found the focus of my preaching is retaliatory against these things. And the mm. focus of my prayer is retaliatory against these. And I'm spending all this energy and I'm, 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 this, this is the devil that's causing the problem. Therefore, I'm going to spend all my energy on binding this devil and, and ripping up the roots. And I'm doing all this spiritual warfare prayer. And I'm, and it's still happening. It's still happening. And God, God nudged me about a month ago and he said, Joe, you remember that, that whole, uh, focus on yourself stuff. Mm. And, and he led me and there's been different seasons. Sometimes it's extended fast. Uh, you know, when we came to your, your church, I think for the first time we had just done the longest extended fast that we'd ever done. And that's when Michael, the archangel came there. Yes. And it was confirmed without anybody knowing what we had prayed for. It was confirmed. I believe her her name is Sister Lucas, if, yes. I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. Brenda Lucas, yes. Yep. She she walked up, and I had prayed that prayer, and we'd all prayed that prayer, and, and he came, and man, this crazy revival. And, and and so, but now it's a season of uh, three days a week, Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. So I have on my phone, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, and Sun, or Saturday, unto the Lord. And, and, and man, I'm telling you, my focus has shifted from attacking those devils to being in love with Jesus. And, and instead of spending so much energy and, and waking up at night in cold sweat and, and focusing on, Oh my God, what's going to happen there was, it's like, God's got it. I'm going to, I'm going to focus on knowing him and focus on walking with him. And, and the people that want it are going to come and we're not having some great problems in our church. We're having revival and wonderful unity. It's incredible. So I'm not trying to make it like we're, we're, we're falling apart, but the, the point is, is that prayer and fasting is, is what I'm talking about. Prayer and fasting. Could this if really focus, be, could this really be as simple? And I think it is. And, and I think this is an important reminder for all of us. It, it really is as simple as if we will, if we will crucify our flesh, the Lord will fight our battles. Brother Ryan, I think that sums it up perfectly. Wow, I wow. really do. And 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 you and the thing that probably should be made clear about that is the Lord will fight your battles. You are still going to be in that battle. Yes, you're still going to fight. Yes, you're going to deal with it. You're going to deal with it in your body. You're going to deal with it in your emotions. But your focus will not be consumed by it. Well, I think of what Paul said when I've when you've done all you can do to stand, stand. And sometimes we think of spiritual warfare as wielding the sword of the spirit menacingly and and gyrations and and sometimes it really just is as simple as as standing and yes, resisting. And sometimes in my life and listen, I'm not on Joe Campatella level. But whatever in my life, it, 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 it often just comes down to, all right, if I will resist, that's all I have the strength to do is stand fast, pray, love God and resist the devil. I can't defeat the devil, but God can. If I'll resist him, then God will defeat whatever foe is coming against me my family, myself, or my church. Is it that simple? Yeah, sure. do it, so what I really feel like you and I are kind of honing in on is that we, we overcomplicate spiritual warfare, don't we? 
That's, I believe that, Brother Ryan. I really do. And, and, and to confirm that statement, where is all this stuff in the New Testament? Mm. Where is it, bro? Yeah. Where is, where is, where did Peter or Paul ever say once, I bind this spirit? Mm. Yeah. We have made that literally Pentecostal lingo. Yeah. And it doesn't exist in scripture. And I'm guilty of it, by the way, full, full transparency. I, I am too. And I'm not, I'm out. Let me, let me. Let me qualify that statement then. So I'm not against saying that. Sure. I mean, you and I say it, and we mean it, and I believe God does something yeah. with it, okay? Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> at all saying that, that, that's error, but I'm just saying we have made something so, so normal and so a part of our philosophy of prayer that is never even mentioned once in Scripture. And, of course, we get that when Jesus said to Peter, Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever right. you loose on earth said shall be loosed in heaven. And we get that from speak to the mountain. You, you speak these things. But it is interesting to me that Peter never said it. John never said it. Paul never said it. Never once is it recorded where Paul said, I bind the spirits that are in Corinth. And, and here's the truth that I really feel like God has shown me. What you say with your mouth is secondary mm. to how you are living your life because oh yes there's only there's only power in the name of jesus if the person saying it has a relationship with jesus and is submitted yes and is submitted the seven sons of skiva no heard authority. about the power of the name jesus no authority. And and the devils were there just sipping hot chocolate and they're, <laughs> yeah. and they're like, Oh, you want to, you know, we adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches come out of him. And they said, okay, Jesus, we know. And Paul, we know who are you? Yes. So what does that say? The name matters, but you matter. You matter. Well, and it's it, not just a, it's not just a magic formula. And I think that's where we go not. off course. Sometimes it uh, speaking the name with no relationship or connection or submission uh, is really just invoking a, a formula, if you will. And that That's is right. not at all what the name of Jesus is intended to do in our lives. I believe that. I, I believe that. Yeah. And I, I believe you can bind, and I'm going on and on. So no, this is great. No, this is wonderful. So I believe you can bind the devil without ever saying a single word. Mm. I believe when you are walking with Jesus, what what did Jesus say to the demoniac for the demoniac to manifest? What did Jesus say to those to those possessed people for those possessed people to manifest? Nothing. He just showed up. Mm. And and you can bind the devil and change the atmosphere of your city and your church. You do not have to say some spiritual warfare prayer. You just live a consecrated life. David did not bind anything with his, he did not say, I bind you. He just started worshiping God and the devils fled from him. Mm, amazing. The devils fled from him. So, so it's, it's, if you back to our kind of entrance into this conversation. Yeah, we got to do spiritual warfare. Yeah. We have to pray in spiritual warfare. You got to get to that place where you are pulling down strongholds. But let your focus be on putting that flesh on the altar 
Because if you're putting that flesh on the altar, the natural byproduct of that is going to be a harvest, and it's going to be devils that are bound. And the reality that I think you're honing in on is that if we're if our prayer life is what it ought to be, if our if our consecration is what it ought to be, if we're fasting, if we're if we're submitted to the Lord in lifestyle, we can be pulling down strongholds and not even know we're pulling down strongholds. We never well that we may not even ever identify the stronghold that we've pulled down because God did it. He fought battles that we didn't even realize he might have been fighting. I believe that. And that, to me, explains the scripture, they shall cast out devils. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. That explains that scripture, because I've said that scripture, and you've said that scripture, and there's people that have said, well, I've never cast out a devil. I've never, and we think of casting out a devil as there's a demon-possessed person in front of you, and you say, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of them, that's casting out a devil. The truth is, if you walk with Jesus, if you are a real believer, ah. and you walk with Jesus, stepping out of your house, you're casting out devils. Devils are leaving that job. Devils are leaving those people. Devils are leaving that congregation just from you walking out of your house and showing up. So you walk into a room full of the Holy Ghost. You don't even have to know there are demons there. You walk in and demons are fleeing and you don't even have to realize it's happening. You don't even have to realize it. And I'll tell you who championed this for me years and years and years ago. And that's sister Naomi Varnum. Hmm. Sister Naomi Varnum is a prophetess, and she, and if I told you some of the stories she has told me and things I've experienced with her, you would know she is a prophetess of God. <laughs> I'm talking talking about tornadoes. We're talking tornadoes coming down in a, in a church mm. and, and very similar things. And so the point is, is like, and she, she told me years ago, because I'm, I'm so mystical and I want to know all these things and I'm getting involved <laughs> with all, all this stuff and discerning. And, and she said, Joey just pray and fast and go, go, you know, cause we went to Amsterdam. I was with the Barnums. We went to Amsterdam and people, men of God said, Oh my God, you're going to Amsterdam. <laughs> and Amsterdam yeah. is the most wicked city on earth. You are going to fight hell. You are going to fight devils and be prepared. And so I'm like, Oh my God, and, and, and we go there and sister Barnum, she gets up early. She's walking around. She's like, you want to go out walking? She's like, been a mom to me. We're going to go out walking. And, I, and it was like six thirty in the morning. And so we go out walking and I'm expecting devils everywhere. <laughs> and she's, she's like shopping. She's talking to people, laughing, you know, drinking hot cocoa. And I'm like, what <laughs> in the world? And you got to understand about sister Barnum, sister Barnum, she could look at you and read you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. This woman, this woman is a genuine, like Old Testament prophetess, man. Oh, she wow. is, she is no joke. And then she's out, she's out playing and having fun. And I'm like, where, where's the spiritual warfare? Are you fighting things? And she's like, I, you get full of holy ghost. You don't have to worry about none of that stuff. <laughs> I love that. That's what she said. T.W. Barnes that. taught the same thing. He taught the same thing. People would ask T.W. Barnes, and they would say, what do you do when you go into hotels? You know, how do you plead the blood? You anoint the doorpost with anointing oil. And, and, and he's like, I don't do any of that stuff. He's like, if the devil's dumb enough to come to my room, let him come. <laughs> right. Let him come. And that is, that. that is just being so focused on who you serve that really the devil becomes very 
very insignificant. Very minute. I, I, I feel like the Lord quickened to my mind the, the story where the angel, instead of rebuking the devil himself, he said, the Lord rebuke thee. And I've always... I've always kind of been stuck on that a little bit because it, it's kind of contrary language to how we in Pentecost tend to, to speak. You know, we're very big on, you know, you know, I rebuke you. And, 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 and I know that there's biblical precedence for that. But it seems that the angelic understanding realizes God's power in such a way that the angel realized that until the Lord takes care, there's nothing that I can say or do. I don't even need to. The Lord will take care of this situation. And wow. it confirms that mindset that you're describing, which I think is revelatory for most apostolics. That That's powerful. If we focus, if we focus on who God is and our relationship with him, he truly does do the rebuking for us. He does the binding and the casting out. And as you said, we walk into rooms and we don't even know what's happening in the spirit. And we don't need to know every little nuance that's happening in the spirit. God's taking care of that for us. I believe that, Brother Ryan. I really do. That's so profound. And I think it's very counterintuitive. I think many of us probably need to rethink <clears throat> the way we approach even the wording of spiritual warfare and the and the verbiage of it and and focus more on relationship i think the old timers did that when i study as you mentioned like tw barnes when i when i read the the old time pentecostals their focus was just on relationship with god it was just yes sir. it was just prayer it was you know they didn't have uh, people have asked i think it was brother mooney I sat under Brother Mooney for many years at Calvary Tabernacle, and he said something that stuck with me all of these years. Because I had asked in a class, I had said something like, you know, why, why do we see such a difference between the turn of the century outpourings of the Holy Ghost and the, you know, 5,000 soul revivals? And you think, about, you think about something like Azusa Street, and when you read the reports of Azusa Street, there was preaching, but there was a lot more prayer and fasting than there was preaching. Yes, sir. In fact, many of the reports will, will talk about maybe just a 10-minute almost talk, and then the Holy Ghost would just flood that place, and hundreds of people received the Holy Ghost. And that was a result of William Seymour being in, in prayer and fasting almost day and night there was very little focus in those early days on binding demons and casting out and all of those things it was and, and brother mooney said to me you know in those early days we didn't have programs no one had great music we didn't have cool buildings we just had you know we just had storefronts and barns and tents and fields and the focus was just on we wanted everything that God had for us. We loved God and we wanted everything he had. And God just poured out the Holy Ghost in unprecedented ways. Yes, sir. Have we lost, maybe we're losing sight of that to a certain degree. I think you're right. And I think we have to decide 
what we want to emulate. Mm. Because I, I'm in the same groove you are with this. You know, I've been I've been on a James Kilgore kick uh, for the past little while, just mm. sermon after sermon after sermon. And James Kilgore, he talked about his dad, his dad before they went into a new city. His dad, I think they said he started 16 Daughter Works. And before he went into a new city, they prayed 10 to 15 hours a day. Mm. And fasted. They did that for 21 days and fasted 10 to 15 hours a day of prayer. And when he walked out of the church or when he walked out of his house or wherever he walked out of and he went into the street and started talking to people, people started crying. Mm. And the first time he stood up in front of anybody, 18 people got the Holy Ghost. The second time he stood up and talked about Jesus, 36 people got the Holy Ghost. Um, I do think that we have put our focus into the into the the side that is almost irrelevant when you do the essentials, um, you know. And I and I want to emulate that. I want to I want to emulate James Kilgore and, and, and Naomi Varnum and 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 um, I'm not saying that that all this stuff is bad. I I want to learn about the spirit realm, and I spend time learning about the spirit realm, but. But man, what you just said is so key to me, Ryan, and it's that, that focus of on prayer and on reaching out to God. And I think when you have that, nothing else matters. You know, I'm reminded. Jesus, go ahead. I'm sorry. And then I'll tell a quick story. Well, well Jesus gave us that principle. When the, when the disciples came back, what were they excited about? They were excited about their spiritual warfare. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Even uh-huh. the devils are subject to a seer name. Don't rejoice about that. Rejoice about your name's in your my book. Your name in my book, yeah. And, and hey, let's come out into a desert place. Let's forget about all that stuff. Let's just come out where it's just you and me now, where we can just focus on each other for a while. So I think I think Jesus taught us that principle. Go ahead, I'm sorry Absolutely. To That's powerful. I, I was reminded of a revival that I preached many, many thousands of years ago in Leavenworth, Kansas for Pastor William Chalfant, a great apostolic writer, by the way, if, if any of you are looking for books, look, find a William Chalfant book. But, um, and he pastors one of the oldest um, existing oneness apostolic churches in the country. I mean, it was formed like right at the turn of the century. Um, you know, Topeka and all that. So Kansas has a, a long uh, history of of, of um, oneness apostolic outpourings of the Holy Ghost. And he has a great church there. And I asked him, and I was incredibly young, I, I said, uh, Brother Chalfin, how, how have you grown this church? And what program, you know, the naive things you do. What programs have you done? And what, what you know, what are your methods and all this crazy stuff? And he kind of looked at me like I was an alien from outer space. And he said, let's get in the car. I said, oh, okay. I, th- I thought I'd offended him maybe. And so he said, I want to I show you something. So he jumped in his car and he drove about five minutes down the road. And there was this little... I mean, it looked like a shack, little house. And he said, here is our method of revival. He said, <laughs> almost 100 years ago, three ladies started praying that God would fill them with the Holy Ghost, just like he did in the book of Acts. And sure enough, God filled them with the Holy Ghost. 
and they started a nightly prayer meeting in their home. Every night, people would come and pray. Every night, someone would get the Holy Ghost. Before you knew it, there were 300 people here uh, just meeting on the steps of this little shack, coming for prayer, coming for healing, coming to receive the Holy Ghost. And that's been our method ever since. We have 24-hour prayer in our church. And so, I've never heard of this before, but every single member of their church, if you come to their church, you're given a key to the building, and they have people praying in that building 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Jesus, and Jesus, Jesus. I remember the conviction that flooded over me as an evangelist. I was like, dear Lord, I feel like such an idiot. But, I mean, that to me backs up everything that we've been talking about before this point, that it really just does come down to our relationship with God, our prayer, our fasting, our consecration. Everything else falls into place after that. I believe that. And it's such a releasing thing because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a new pastor. And of course, everything I'm saying is, is it hasn't been proven as a pastor yet. I'm a new pastor, but I'm, I'm trying to emulate men that have gone before me and I'm, I'm going to do it in Jesus name. In Jesus but the name. Lord, the Lord released me because instead of spending so much effort on trying to get them to fast, them to do warfare, them to pray. It's like God said, just focus on yourself. If you do it, they'll do it naturally. Mm. It'll just get on them. So if, you, if you're extending your prayer life and you're extending your fasting life and you're extending your study life, they're going to catch what you are. And uh, man, what a releasing thing. I thank God for his mercy. Amen. Well, that anointing flows from the top down. Yes, sir. And it does. It, it trickles down. That's how it works. Well, brother, I love you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for taking Man, time. Man, what a pleasure. What a pleasure. And I feel, I feel like I've been ministered to on this call. And thank you for including me, man. Thank you for doing this. Well, I felt the Holy Ghost. Can't wait to see you this weekend. Yes, and sir. All our love to you and your family. God bless you. God bless you, brother. Bye-bye. This is the Christmas edition of Good Gross Great. Actually, it's Gross Good Great. I always say that wrong. And I'm here with Talmaj. Talmaj, my son. 11 years old, going on 12. Quickly, before we get into the Christmas edition of Gross Good Great, I want to give a shout out to Ryan Marshall, missionary to Papua New Guinea, and his podcast, Coffee with the Missionary. He gave us a shout out and enjoyed Gross Good Great. He's going to bring some Papua New Guinea candy bars. That's going to be fun, huh? Yeah, that will be a 
That's going to be great. So thank you for that shout out. Go check them out at Coffee with the Missionary. One of the things I love about technology is that we can keep up with missionaries around the world and hear their stories, and it feels like we're right next to them. So how cool is that? All right, so today we have featured some awesome Christmas editions uh, for Gross Good Great. Now, quick, 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 quick run through the rules. First rule is it has to be something that other people can have. Now, listen, when we do the missionary edition, we'll break that rule. But normally, (laughs) our rule is that it has to be something easily accessible for most people. Talmadge and I ran into CVS. Don't judge. It's what we were close to. They didn't have a great selection of of Christmas candies and foods, but they did have some interesting things. First, what do we have here, Talmadge, in your hand? We have Cheeto Snowflakes, white cheddar. Yes, Cheeto Snowflakes, and they do indeed look like Christmas snowflakes. <laughs> and then I chose, and you're going to have to forgive me, I don't know how to pronounce this, Girardelli, Girardelli, Gahiradelli. Found in 1852, but you've seen it. It's it's at Walmart and everywhere else. And they have a special edition called White Chocolate Sugar Cookie, and it really does look good. Yeah. This has a lot of potential, but we're going to do that second. First, we're going to do the Cheetos. So the rules are one, two, and three is gross. Mm-hmm. Four, five, six, seven is good. Eight, nine, and ten is is great so it's easiest for something to fall into that middle good category yeah but you want it to be great you want it to be great that's our hope and uh, also we have to have never tried it before so we've never tasted these items now this might go ahead and open these up but this might be a little bit uh different because we don't know if if the white cheddar cheetos are going to just be like normal white cheddar Cheetos that are just shaped like snowflakes or if they're going to have some kind of surprise flavor. However, I'm not positive that I've ever had white cheddar Cheetos. How about you? I've not had any before. Not Never had a white cheddar Cheeto? We usually just get the regular mm-hmm. cheddar Cheetos, I guess they are. Yeah. Which are pretty epic. We like Cheetos, right? <laughs> yeah. We like the fire Cheetos. We like, uh, we like a lot of them. So this has a lot of potential. And we're going to rate these first. So I'm going to get, I think I'll need more than one. Um, it's a regular orange bag, says Snowflake. Okay, wow, these are cool looking. They do, they are shaped kind of like what you would think a snowflake would look like. Yeah, they're pretty big. Like so, all right. You ready? Yes. Here we go. All right. Oh, wow. Definitely need more than one. All this suffering for the kingdom is hard, but someone has to someone has to take this on. Um, I'll hold the bag right near my mouth. <laughs> By the way, Merry Christmas, everyone. It's officially Merry Christmas season. I'm going on my eighth Cheeto here. I don't know how many I've had, but I've had a lot. So one of the first things I notice is that I like the shape of these. They're they're round and real fluffy. Mm-hmm. And so I can fit a lot of them in my mouth at once, which is really <laughs> which is a great blessing. Well, Bub, where, where are you are you close to a rating? What do you think? Yeah. Um you know, they don't really taste like white cheddar. They taste really? like the original to me. 
<laughs> so on a scale of one to ten, where are you at right now? But I'm gonna rate it an eight. An eight. Okay, how come? Yeah, I like them. <laughs> if, I, if I went to the store and I saw these, I'd probably grab them. So, you know, you eat half the bag maybe if you if you could. You just go right through it. Is it that good? Because, mm-hmm. you know, in our house, a regular bag of Cheetos, we can plow through that pretty quick. Well, I'll hide them in my secret stash. Oh, where's that? <laughs> um, Under the bed? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? I hmm. forgot. Okay. You know, I think that I'm right there with you. I, I'm going to give those an eight, too. Really? Yeah, I'm going to give them a great. And, That's you know, actually not surprising. They taste really good. They are really good. You know, we don't get a whole lot of uh, great ratings in this in this segment for some reason. Yeah, we've had one or two. We get, we this, get in the... This might be our third. So, but those are excellent. I could definitely, I mean, I could just buy those all the time. I will say, <laughs> if you went and just bought regular white cheddar cheetos i imagine they'd probably just taste exactly like that probably the only Christmassy thing about those technically is that they're shaped like snowflakes but i will say shape does make a difference because um even when it comes to like tostitos you know regular corn you're still eating them they're that okay um, are you going to move it up to a 10 maybe are you getting close to a 10 (laughs) but even with like regular tostitos you know how they come in different shape you know sometimes you can get the round ones and then you can get the ones that are like cup scoop yeah scoop for scooping like i don't like those yeah i don't don't like the scoop ones because it's like they they cut my mouth or something and they feel they're not the same whatever they do to make them that shape is is not good and uh but then when you get the full size tostitos it's like you can't fit them in your mouth they're they're too big so i like to get the little circle I make a way. <laughs> so these, uh, the shape of these is really nice because, man, you can just really cram. It's great for cramming them in your mouth. So, <laughs> so that's the official. Okay, well, let's go. Da-da-dum, da-da-dum, da-da-dum. Very rare to get a very rare to get a ten. Mm. Uh, in honor of a ten, maybe we should play some music. <laughs> okay, enough of that. Um, <laughs> so now we're going to move to the white chocolate sugar cookie. Girardelli chocolate squares and the bag yeah. it's like talk about a christmas bag i mean you cannot open this i mean it this opening this that we may not get to do this <laughs> all right oh here we go all right man that is a really well packaged if you're looking for it in the store you know it's kind of uh, a teal teal and gold all right here's one for oh, you this is gonna be great I'm uh, i hope this. it's gonna be great we'll do see they come in different sizes like no no like? i think they're all the same they're all the same size no on the front it has cookies yeah, but they're not they're all just square none of them are shaped in a holiday fashion of any kind okay all right they smell very good they smell like a sugar cookie yeah they do all right so uh you ready here we go I'm going to do the whole square. I don't know. Boom. Interesting. Mm. Okay. That definitely surprised me. So it's not what I expected. It's got a crunch to it, mm-hmm. which I think is like. Um, it reminds me of like the Kit Kat. It reminds me of like. It's like got the sprinkles. That you sometimes see on a cookie, yes, yeah, but yeah. it's baked into it. Yeah. 
And I know that's white chocolate, but it doesn't have the white chocolate taste that, that I was expecting. It's like sweeter. It's sweeter. So I would describe it as taste as tasting a lot like, you know how you can get those frosted Christmas cookies that's got like the thick frosting on top and then a real... Yeah, like the ones you get from Starbucks. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm, or yeah, or, you know, for those of us that have lesser budgets we just go to walmart for a dollar <laughs> instead of spending three hundred dollars on a cookie at starbucks yeah, it's probably we, where starbucks gets them from <laughs> yeah starbucks gets them from walmart and for a dollar and sells them for three hundred dollars but yeah that tastes like that frosting with sprinkles and then it's got the real soft cookie mm-hmm. flavor if you didn't know i'm still eating the cheetos <laughs> I will say the Cheeto mixed with the sugar cookie is maybe not the best idea, but that's all we know. have. I'm, I'm okay with it. So it does taste like a sugar cookie for sure. Yeah, but it's but, different. But like a sugar cookie with frosting. It doesn't have the texture of a sugar cookie. Right. It's almost like you're eating the frosting off a sugar cookie, it, Yeah, which is, uh, in my opinion, the best part. But where, where are you at with this? Do you know? Yeah, I think I have an idea. Okay. So, I don't think they're better than the Cheetos. Really? Um, just because um, I can't really eat sweet stuff all the time. I can't repeatedly eat that stuff. Mm-hmm. The Cheetos, I can forever eat those. Right. So, I'm going to rate that a seven. Oh, okay. Because I think it's a good snack, or not really a snack, a good treat every once in a while. Um, but definitely not something I'd eat all the time. So you've got it in the good category. Yeah, but the taste is what put it up there. Mm-hmm. I think I'm similar. I think I'm going to go a little lower than you. I think I'm going to give it a six. Okay. So it's good. It's not great. I'll tell you the reason it doesn't go into great category for me. It's yeah. just a little too sweet. Yeah, I It's agree. just a little too sweet. And so the, afterta- after <laughs> the aftertaste is a little overwhelming. I do like it. It's not, you know, if something if someone offered it to me, I'd be like, oh wow, that's good, thank you. I don't know that I would ever really have a strong desire to go buy these. No. And and that's surprising because I love white chocolate, and I also love sugar cookies, but it's almost like it's almost like you don't taste the white chocolate, and you also don't get enough cookie taste. So you, I'd almost rather have white chocolate, or I would rather have a sugar cookie rather than mixing the two. Yeah, but I am gonna say the regular ones of those. If we, if I hadn't had those, I'd probably, and we got them, I would probably rate it like a nine, because the regular milk chocolate ones are amazing. Oh yeah, just the regular Giardelli white yeah. chocolate yeah absolutely but these do not taste like that at all so yeah. if you look at it in the store and you think oh it's going to be just like the white chocolate squares except no. you know it's not it's very different but it's good it's worth a try you might in fact if uh, if you do try it uh don't depend on our rating you might have something different please do uh find us on the socials yeah what do they say in youtube ring the bell is that what it is mm. <laughs> I <can> subscribe. <laughs> why are you laughing at me Ring, ring a ding a ling the bell. Isn't that what they say? <laughs> ding a ling the bell. Uh, uh, yeah, click the sure. old likeity like. Hit the hit the old subscribey subscribey. Is that what they say? I'll let them do it. <laughs> <laughs> but you can go to uh, Apostolic Voice Socials. You can find uh, you can find 
Ryan and Taylor French on social media or go to the website, RyanAFrench.com and, and, or you can go to anchor.fm forward slash apostolic voice and leave us a message. Yeah. You can actually leave us a voice message and you can talk to us uh, and, le- and we'll play it on the air. You can tell us what your rating is for one yeah. of these things. We'd love to hear it. That'd be a lot um, of fun, rate wouldn't it? my dad's podcast five stars and leave a review. Amen to that. Praise God. Give us five stars and a little, little subscribe and we would enjoy that. But we do want to hear from you. Wrong music. Here we go. There we go. Yep. 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 We want to hear from y'all. If you have a different rating, we want to hear it. If it's gross to you and we said it was great, we want to know why. If it was great to you and we said it was gross, we want to know why. Um, (laughs) Bub, thanks for being on here. You're donating all your Christmas gifts to missions this year. Is that what you said earlier? All right, until next week, God bless y'all. We got a lot of fun, Christmassy things to try. We'll get the girls in on it next time. God bless you.